Praise the Lord. Praise, praise the Lord. You are welcome to church this evening. And if you're joining us online on our various platforms, we warmly welcome you to church. Um, if you are also new to our church, we welcome you to Four Square Gospel Church VGC. Here we believe in Jesus, the Savior, Jesus as our healer, Jesus, the soon coming King of Kings, and the Jesus, Jesus, the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. How was today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, so, let us pray. Our Father, our God, we thank you for another opportunity to learn at your feet. Thank you, King of Glory. We worship you. We honor you. We adore your name. O oh Lord, our Father, as we gather today, we pray that as we study your word, we ask your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and minds to your teachings. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, help us to understand your will in this month of covenant of peace. And that, Lord, we will give in to your instruction in the mighty name of Jesus. And we will give expression to this covenant of peace. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray for the Holy Spirit to come and teach us by himself. And our Lord, ultimately, all of us will grow in the knowledge of you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. This is our month of covenant of peace, people of God. And we've been taught, you know, from the beginning of this month that God has given us the covenant of peace. And this covenant of peace is immovable. It's immovable. It's there for us. And our senior pastor, when he was giving us exaltation um, on the first of the month, unveiling the topic, he said this covenant of peace is irrevocable. Hello? It is irrevocable. And this covenant of peace, we must have it in our heart. It must be, it must be seated in our heart. And despite all the troubles we have in the world today, that the covenant of peace should be in our heart despite all the troubles we have. Praise the Lord. And I remember on Wednesday, last Wednesday, Pastor Benny's took us on Jesus, our peace. That the Prince of Peace himself is the one that gives us this covenant, that has given us this covenant. And we also were encouraged to express this covenant within ourselves 
and also without, meaning that we should have peace within, peace with God, peace with people around us, and of course, the peace of God. Praise the Lord. And just last Sunday, our Reverend Aliu also took us on this same topic. And for me, I could take away, what I could take away from that sermon on Sunday was that we, when, we, when we look at this covenant, you know, despite all the challenges that we are filled with, the characteristics, the blessings that, have, that form the covenant, that when we look at it, it should be something that we should always look, look forward to. And God does not lie. Everything God has established with Israel, everything God promised Israel, God fulfilled every, everything. And what does that mean to us? Everything God has promised us, including this covenant of peace, he would establish it. He has established it. He will continue to establish it in the mighty name of Jesus. And this should give us the full confidence in this, in appropriating this covenant of peace. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So today, we are going to go on another deep study on this same topic as we continue in the month. And I've titled today's topic, The Call of Call to Peacemaking. Say after me, the call to peacemaking. The call to peacemaking. And I pray that the Lord, who has established this covenant, would take us deeper into the meaning, into the, into the understanding that we should have to fully appropriate this covenant in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, let's open our Bible to the book of Matthew 5, 1 to 12. Can we have Mike so that people can read for us? Matthew 5, 1 to 12. Matthew 5. Is, is anybody there? The book of Matthew 5, 1 to 12. Yes, please. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, a disciple came unto him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor, pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manners of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth. But That's... No, it's fine. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Can somebody open to the book of Ephesians 6, 10 to 20? Ephesians 6, 20, 10 to 20. Ephesians 6, 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and his might power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the enemy, of devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty power in dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For sure, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your ailment and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 18. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayer for all believers everywhere. 19. Pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mystery plan that the good news is, is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I am in chain now. Still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So I pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Now, um, so the two texts we just read, um, they are going to form the basis of the teachings and the discussion we're going to have uh, today. Now, we're talking about the call to peacemaking. And it is important to understand who is a peacemaker. Who is a peacemaker? Now, from the text, the first text we, we just read, we know that a peacemaker, I said, blessed are the peacemakers. They are the children of God. But we are going to go further in defining who a peacemaker is. And when we look at the, the book of Matthew 5, 1 to 12, we will see the characteristics of people who are called children of God, people who are to be part of the kingdom of God. And we also see the attendant benefits of each of this, um, of this uh, character that they should always um, exhibit. Now, if we look at 2 Corinthians 5, 18, 19, and I just re I'll read quickly because of our time. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself 
through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And in short summary, we can see that a peacemaker, we can derive from what we just read, that a peacemaker is the one who is called to the ministry of reconciliation. And so I define a peacemaker from a biblical perspective as this. One who is actively trying to reconcile people. The word actively, let's underline it. Actively trying to reconcile people to God and to one another. Praise the Lord. Let me take that again. A peacemaker from a biblical perspective is one who is actively trying to reconcile people to God and to one another. You know, while I was preparing for this sermon, I, because I, you know, we all know that United Nations, they go for peacekeeping, right? And I, I was just trying, I was researching and I, I discovered that actually in um, the chapter six of the UN charter, you will, they talked about peacemaking as a non-restrictive list of peaceful diplomatic and judicial means of resolving disputes. Now, peacemaking is represented through activities such as mediation, reconciliation, and judicial settlement. And Butros, Butros, Gali, who happened to be the 47th um, Secretary General of United Nations, actually addressed the, um, the peacemaking elements of the work of the United Nations in his address in 1992 titled An Agenda for Peace. Butro uh, by the way, is, is late now. However, what am I trying to get at? United Nations, they, they, they go about in terms of peacemaking and peacekeeping, right? But for us, we need to understand that the, the peacemaking effort is not a physical effort. It is a spiritual effort. The process of peacemaking, peacemaking is a spiritual battle. We need to understand that. And why is it a, is it a spiritual battle? It is confronting spiritual forces that work against peace. And we also, if we take our mind back to the previous lessons that um, we've, 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 we've heard, specifically I remember last Wednesday, we were told that peace, that covenant of peace is not the absence of troubles. In fact, it shines through wherever there is trouble. Praise the Lord. And so we need to understand that this is a spiritual battle. Because Ephesians 6, 12 says that, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, 
against the rulers of, of, of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And so we are going to look at the three parts to, um, to peacemaking. One is mediation. The other one is reconciliation. And the last one is judicial settlement. And so when, when we also, before that, we know that for us to make peace, for us to be a peacemaker, we need to imbibe all the elements expressed in the book of that Matthew um, 5, 1 to 12. Every one of them, we should give expression to them because you can't leave one out and say you are, you are doing the, uh, another. Everything, they work in harmony. And those are the qualities, those are the attributes that we as children of God must cultivate, must imbibe. And we are going to read the Ephesians 6, 10, 20 that we, re- we read has to do with the armor of God. How do we achieve these attributes? How do we achieve these qualities? How do we express them? How do we give expression to them? It's by wearing, putting on the hammer of God, knowing that this battle, it is a spiritual battle, and we, it is a spiritual battle that we cannot win on our own. Praise the Lord. Now, let's look at practical examples of people in the Bible and also now bring it home you know, to our daily struggles. Now, let's look at the book of um, 1 Samuel, and then we will discuss. 1 Samuel 25, 18 to 35. 1 Samuel 8, 25, 18 to 35. I want someone who has not read any Bible text today to read for us. First Samuel 25. First Samuel 25. 18 to what? 18 to 35. Okay. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sears of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins and two hundred cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband neighbor. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending towards her and she met them. David had just said, it's been useless, all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness, so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I live alive, one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, neighbor. He's just like his name, 
His name means full and fully goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. 29. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will haul away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled, when the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed, of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord God, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she has brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, ma'am. Yes, the story we just read now was the story of David, Nabal, and Abigail. And it has to do with Abigail preventing the the calamity that would have befallen Nabal, you know, for daring David. Now, I'd like to ask a couple of questions, and it's for us to discuss. So, my number one question is, what do you think David, for instance, was justified to want to kill um, Nabal for, you know, for, for being rude to him and calling his bluff. Who can answer for us? You know, we are talking, let's, let's re- respond based on um, the context of peacemaking. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. I, I personally don't think so. I don't think he was justified just because Nabal said he will not give him and then he was rude to him. I think what came over David was just that self-pride. You know, that how can Nabal, 
you know, say that to him, especially as he had sent his men. Mm. It's like disgracing him before his men. So he was furious and he made up his mind he was going to go and kill him. But I don't think he was justified in doing that. Because I think that is why Abigail reminded him that you will put blood on your conscience. That was mm. not necessary. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, how, I mean, David responded, thank God David did not um, use his might on neighbor. <laughs> because, I mean, all of the wealth of neighbor will have gone to waste. And even he will have lost his life. Perhaps even Ab- Abigail actually also saved her own life, you know. And sometimes that's what happens to us when we are, when we are making peace. We don't know the extent, the full extent this, this thing can go. So now, my second question is, how can we relate this to our world today? I mean, we can say, oh, that was then. I mean, and one of the things we need to understand is also that Satan is crafty. And, you know, who would have thought, for instance, that Job, that Satan was the one behind the, the travails of, of Job? Who would have thought it was Satan that was behind um, even Peter? Who would have thought it was Satan that was behind all the things, all the atrocities of even David? So, who would have thought, imagine Satan coming to, going to Jesus to tempt Jesus three times. And guess what? And that's what he does sometimes to us. He will come, he will try something, he will try a trick. And then he will go back. If that one doesn't, you know, he does this thing, you know, okay, this one doesn't work. Okay, let me, let me go back and go and think of another thing. I need to catch this person. Even in the Garden of Eden, if we cast our mind back to what happened, Satan came like in the image of what God made, the serpent. I took the, it took that form to deceive these guys. And so we need to understand whenever something comes, whenever we have this, you know, either the butterfly, anger, pain, we need to understand what is the source of it. How do we deal with it? So that we don't go and act in a way and manner that will not glorify God. Praise God. Now, to my question. In today's world, I mean, let's look at, within the context of David, you are in a position of influence. And you can do and undo. Is it, I mean, we see, we, we say some things and we also, even though we want to do the right thing, but sometimes, why do we struggle? Why do we struggle? And perhaps, what are the things, you know, because I believe the Holy Spirit came through Abigail to prevent the calamity um, against um, neighbor. But now, today, as that happened to us before, maybe we can share practical experience and what 
prevented us. How did the Holy Spirit come? In what form, in what shape did the Holy Spirit come to us to be able to say, hey, don't do this? And perhaps maybe we've, we did what we, 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 we ought not to do. What did we do when we realized that, oh, I've made an error here? Praise the Lord. Do we, is, is my question clear? Hello? Is my question clear? Okay. So can we have somebody to, 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 to give us um, some comments on this? Thank you, sir. I'd like to refer us to James chapter 4, verse 1. It says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members. Ye lost and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Now, oftentimes, conflict arise when we either out of covetousness, um, envy, greed, um, or maybe we, we, you, want to, you want, to, want to take something that from, you think you're stronger than somebody. You want to use your power or your position to, uh, to, to take over what doesn't belong to you. You feel what I call unselfish entitlement, and you just create, create, create havoc. Um, and related to what happened to David, David felt entitled to uh, Nabal's feast. Uh, after Nabal didn't hire him, you know, but he felt that he felt entitled and was going to create a whole lot of havoc. And not only in, in the church, you know, why do we have problem in church? You know, you you are. You're on the choir. You, you, you say, ah, why don't I preach? You know, you want to convert another person's ministry rather staying on your own. And we begin to have all kinds of uh, infighting because we are not contented with who we are. Um, uh, we're, not, we, 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 we're, not, we're not really happy, content. I want some, something else. I'll begin to create a whole lot of trouble around us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Any other comments? Thank you, sir, for that comment. Any other comments? I want young people to talk. Okay, sir. Yes. No, I just want to add to what uh, Pastor Mentor had just said, that if you extend it beyond the church, even in the locality, yes. you know, during the crisis, somebody will come and knock on your gate. We are the ones protecting this place. You must come out and give us something. And they quote the amount. They demand it. I mean, I didn't employ you. If you are guarding the street or whatever, I didn't have any agreement with you. So it's still a question of entitlement or using an opportunity just to extort. But I'm glad that Pastor Mentor had mentioned even the church, which is our immediate constituency as a family. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Now, let's, let's quickly... Okay. Okay, sir. Yeah. Uh, I would like us to look at some other perspectives to yes. this story. Great. If you look at uh, Abigail, you know, she didn't know what happened. 
it was one of the servants mm. that told her. Because that means that they knew that they were being protected. Mm. And if you look at that environment, if you don't have protection, you're in trouble. Mm. You know, if we take it to what's happening in um, the Northeast, where you have bandits that come to take tax, they collect tax to protect people in the village. Mm. So if we just talk about it without understanding the context, as you mentioned earlier, mm. then we may not be getting to the full answer. Mm. Here, if David hadn't been protecting them, they would have been overrun. And that is where I think the entitlement is coming from. Mm. I have protected these people. And if I didn't do that, they wouldn't have stayed there to, you know, to, to make the wealth that they couldn't part with, you know, part of it. So, yeah, they, we can say there was entitlement. We can also say that Nabal didn't behave well. Well. That's my own mm. point. Mm. Praise God. Yes, thank you so much. And, you know, it's also to reinforce the fact that our peace is, should not or must not be in a thing. Our peace, in fact, peace is a person and is the person of Jesus. And so when we have the peace, we are wearing the peace. We are not wearing it outwardly. We are wearing it in our heart. And so when we have entitlement, because maybe we did an act of good to somebody, and we are expecting that this person should, um, one good turn <laughs> deserves another. That's not the ways of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is you give. If the person, without expecting, okay, let's look at Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his life. Did we deserve it? No, we did not. And as a matter of fact, what happened is actually an image of the new to come which is Jesus Christ. Because let's look at it. David, so we're to, if we look at it, humanly speaking, like you said, Nabal did not deserve what happened eventually, the outcome of that, in the real sense of it, humanly speaking. But by grace, he, 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 his life, his properties were spared. And that's, that's what Christ did for us. And so, and Christ is expecting us to do likewise. Doing good without expecting anything in, anything in return, without getting entitled. And so we must constantly understand that we need to wear this peace. This covenant of peace is not in a thing. It's not in, in, money, in the money we have. It's not in the car. It's not in the house. The covenant of peace is a person. And we have to constantly wear that person in our heart. And the devil is very... The devil is, is schemes. He is full of schemes. 
It's full of schemes. We read in the Ephesians um, 10, 20 that we read. Satan is full of schemes. If, you know, the other day, I was just looking, scrolling through Instagram, and I saw, oh, I, want, I don't want peace. I want problem. I'm like, hmm. And this person dressed like, and, like Satan. And then I went ahead to start scrolling, and I started seeing variations. And some of the people that actually created those variations, they are Christians, in quotes. So we don't know the implication of some of the things we do. Somebody is coming on, on the pl- on public um, platform, say, I don't want peace, I want problem. I just scroll that. What is this world turning to? So, Satan is using things like entertainment, is using things that are foolish to distract us from the substance. And we need to be very, very careful, you know. And some of these things, the way they happen is that they take the form, they form culture, they form habits, they form lifestyle. And then we glory in it instead of glorying in God. This will not be our portion in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, let's go to reconciliation. Now, this is the story of Joseph and his brothers. We can see this in the book of Genesis 45, 1 to 15, and the continuation of it in the book of Genesis 50, um, 15 to 21. Um, because of time, let's, let's read. I think we can get a full context in the book of Genesis 45, 1 to 15. Can somebody... Read for us. I want a young person to read for us. Oh, Thank you. Genesis 45, 1 to 15. Oh, then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, mm. everyone leave me present. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to the brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptian had him, and the Pharaoh's household had about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified mm. at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brother, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, and the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourself for selling me here, because it was to save life that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there had been famine in land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on head, to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. It made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and said to him, this is what your son Joseph said. God has, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You will live in the region of God's shame and be here and be near me 
and be near me, you, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herd, and all you have. I will provide for you there, because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will be destitute. You can see yourself, and so my brother Benjamin, that it is really high I'm speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen. I'm bringing my father down here quickly. Then he threw his hammer around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brother walked with him. Praise the Lord. Thank you. You know, okay. So, this was the story of Joseph and his brothers. And we saw how he was accommodating of them. You know, they sold him to, to slavery because of jealousy, because of resentment, because of envy. He was also in position of authority. He could have used that authority to, to, to do anything to them, right? But he went for reconciliation instead of getting back at them, right? And um, can somebody tell us? You know, because I, so before that, I even, I remembered, like, Something that really happened to me personally, while I was working, um, you know, in a company, and somebody I trusted, my wife will always say that I trust people a lot. I put my trust in people, and when they disappoint me, it always it will always take a toll on me. Like I'll feel so disappointed, but I'm getting better at it anyway. <laughs> so, like. This guy, I took him from being a security man to the glory of God, to working. In fact, it was my wife that paid for his exam to get ND, HND, and all of that, open university. And then, in fact, my entire um, work in the company, he knows everything about it. And this guy was doing fraud. And the leader of the company, MD of the company, will say, "Is this, this something is wrong?" While who is, how can hackers be infiltrating our network? No, this can't be. This is not possible. And the true matter is that most hacking jobs in computing, they are actually insider jobs. Most of them. I mean, research has shown, but it was it was unbelievable. I'm like, ah, what is happening? Because I, if I would, I would vouch for him. I said, no, 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 he can't be this guy. No, no, he can't be. Ah, this, this is my, like, this is my brother. And lo and behold, I, I just, Holy Spirit just said, investigate this guy. I hear that voice. I said, hmm. I was afraid to to go and investigate because I said, ah, what is this? By the time I started digging, I said. OMG. 
and I saw a whole lot. It was very difficult for me to, to forgive. But I did anyway. Today we are, we are good to the glory of God. Like, so it can be, recon- so I can relate with what Joseph did. How about us? Can we have a practical comment on this as well? Joseph and his brothers. Anybody? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, um, Bible. God's purpose. Mm. And that can help us in relating with heart. Mm. People, people offend us. Now, if you, you, can, you can take on the offense and, and be hurt and be wounded, but you can look beyond, you can try and see a bigger picture like he did. And uh, God can give you the grace not to be offended and try to bring reconciliation. Without dealing with the offense, difficult to Yes. Manage peace to, to broker peace. Mm. Thank you, sir. Okay, ma'am. Sorry, can you let me pass mic to her? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just like Pastor Mentor said, offense must surely come. But um, if you remember that the Lord commanded us to forgive. It helps us to forgive. And if you don't forgive, if you're holding on to the offense, you can't move forward. And then you can't, you can't pray. Whenever you want to pray, that heaviness is on you. You cannot. And for you to have a, a very smooth relationship with God, you need to let go. You need to forgive. You need to forgive. And then, if it is two people as, uh, that um, not you, two people that are offended with each other and you are aware of it, you will also be troubled if you don't try and make peace. At times, you find yourself coming in, uh, how will I say it? You find yourself being in between at the receiving end. You know, you wouldn't want, you wouldn't know what, you wouldn't be free. This person will think you're for this person. This person will think you're for the other person. And you can't be free until you make sure that there's reconciliation between the other two people. So we should try. Praise the Lord. Yeah, praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, um, I was working somewhere, and uh, I happened to be the HOD of um, the department. 
So I brought in a guy. This is a practical example now. So I brought in a guy and um, this guy, I had conflicts with my boss through him because of what he cost. Mm. You know? So since then, it wasn't business as usual between me and my boss. So after some months, I left there. So this, the, guy, the other guy too left. So he kept reaching, keep calling me for a job that I brought. Sorry if I have any job or he's available. He has family and all that. At some point, I ignored him. But later, I was just like, the, the, the call was much. So I was like, okay, let me just forgive and move on. So the last job I had, I now called him. That okay, No, he reached out to me. I said, okay, come, let's, let's do this. So he came. The same attitude, you know, snitching around and all that. <laughs> Even the producer of the job was like, he was telling one of my guys that, are you sure this guy's part of you? You know. <laughs> so when it's in now, got to me, I'm like, okay, bro, I think it's time to just leave. So my question, mine is a form of question. If this guy, no, he sent me a message, he apologized. But should I keep <laughs> entertaining him? Or, well, I, I just said to myself, okay, I've forgiven you, but you can't come close again. Okay. Thank you. I mean, I will respond to that, and I also want our leaders to also respond. For me, situations like that is an opportunity for reconciliation, okay? And also an opportunity for redemption, to redeem that person, to preach Christ to the person. Because you know that this guy, though it will take time, it will cost you your time, even money sometimes, and, you know, even it would distract you a bit. But you know you are doing it for a, for a cause. So you need to, so, rather, so yes, you can say, let there be a separation, but you can take it, you should ideally take it a step further to say, hey, how can I preach Christ to this person? Especially in my, not in what, you, what we say, but in how we react to the person. So that eventually, because another thing, what, what, something we should know is that it is not that person that is acting that way. It is Satan that is finding expression in that person. I don't know if you understand. And we've seen clear examples of how he does these things. Do you understand? And so that's why we say we are saying that this covenant of peace is something that we need to wear. It's something that is, you know, um, is mediation-driven, is reconciliation-driven, and also settlement-driven. Mediation meaning that you are trying to, you are, you are making that person to have peace with God. And that peace with God, having peace with God means that you want to bring this person to the knowledge of God by preaching Christ to the person and, you know, helping that person to know Christ and to know that, look, you're not the one acting, no. Something is, or somebody is using you and you need to prevent it. That's not the purpose of God for you. It would, it's not a one-day thing. It will take time. And we also need to know that whether we get the result or not, we have planted the seed of salvation. And we just need to plant. He is the one that would convict that person. And then we just 
keep following up. And to the, you know, before you know it, person would the seed would germinate and and become fruit in that person. And that person, maybe the next time you see that person, the person is a changed person. Do you understand? So, so so sometimes we need to take it as the spirit. We need to take it a step further. Any other comments on this? So that because he's, he has the he has the question, um, who can anybody to help us further? Um, yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, my opinion is, um, for such a person, it's good to be very honest and straightforward with the person. Yes. Let him know that this is what you have done and that um, we have tried this twice and you are still doing this. So that's making it difficult for me to continue to introduce you to new jobs. It's possible the person might tell you that, oh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it again. Mm -hmm. You can tell the person, just like you said now, you need to get to know the Lord. Because if you tell me you won't do it in your own strength, it will be difficult. So what our advice is, let's first of all get you to know the Lord and discipled, and then we begin to see a change in your character. Then we can continue to work together. Because sometimes the things that are involved are things that probably might ruin your own reputation. Maybe there are things that are involved that are such that you will not like it. For example, you have somebody stealing in your company. You can't forgive him once and twice and say you continue to hold the treasury. No. <laughs> so it's good to be, because sometimes we, we are not open and honest with people. Mm. And that's why. So but if we are open and honest with them and sit them down and say, this is the problem I have with you. So we need to get to know the Lord. We need to work on this. Yes. And once we have worked on it, I believe, God, that your character and the way you do these things will change. And then we'll, we can begin to work together. Because if we continue like this and you do this again, this is the impact it's going to have on both of us. Yes. So I'm sure the person will understand. Because if the friendship is just because I want to get a job, then we are not getting anywhere with the person. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor Ken. I think that... Um, because the person, I'm assuming that the person knows you're a Christian. Okay. So you've had opportunity to witness to the person either directly or through your lifestyle and choices and actions and, choice, you know, that kind of stuff. So you, you've had an opportunity. The addition that I would like to make is there's a difference between reconciliation forgiveness and fellowship or being yoked together. Okay? Mm -hmm. Um, I can forgive you, but it does not mean that you and I have to be in the same boat. Mm -hmm. Okay? Truly forgive you from my heart. Judas was in the same boat with Jesus. Jesus knew about him, but he did not change, even though he was with the Son of God and saw all the miracles, the, the preaching of the truth, the lives that were changed. He was witnessing change, and he himself remained the same. Because you cannot force Christ on people. You cannot force God on people until somebody wants God or God draws them to himself and opens their eyes to see their need for him. They can even be a Christian like 
Pastor Lou just commented that what if the person is already a Christian? Because the person can claim that I'm a Christian. You know? So just because I, somebody hurts me and I forgive them doesn't mean that I have to, the relationship has to be restored to what it has always been. No, I can forgive you, but we don't have to be in business together, especially if I'm noticing that whenever I'm around you, I am running into trouble. Thank you. Now, um, so we, we, we are going to judicial settlement, and this is the story of um, the church elders on the topic of whether Gentiles should be circumcised before they come to the Lord, uh, or before, before they are saved or not. And we all, I mean, some of us know how the story ended, but let's quickly read for the benefit of some people who may not understand what we're talking about. Um, let's read the book of Acts 15, um, 1 to 29. Acts 15, 1 to 29. Quickly. Somebody who is a fast reader can read for us. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the, children, taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small, had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and others about these questions. And being brought on their way, on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenix and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and, and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there arose up certain of the sects of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when they had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good, uh, you know, you know, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the heart, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our father nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved, even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring that miracles and wonders. Declaring what miracles and wonders had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their, their peace, James said, Men and brethren, acting unto me. Simeon had declared now God at the first, at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this, to this agree the words of the prophet as it is written. After this, I will return. And we build again the tabernacle of David, which is falling down. 
and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, said the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his work from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, and from fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses of old time had in every city them that preached him, being read in the synagogue every Sabbath day. Then please eat the apostles and elders with the old church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, son named Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner, the apostles and the elders and brethren send greetings unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying, Ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send choosing men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have, that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Therefore, Judas and Silas, which I also tell you the same things by mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that ye abstain from meat offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication from which ye keep yourself, ye shall do well, fear ye well. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So, now, we... From the text we, we just read, we understood how the apostles were able to settle this without, any, without escalating the issues further, right? And that's the main import of the text we just read. In, when it comes to judicial settlement, we have to apply the wisdom of God. We have to apply the wisdom of God as much as possible. And this takes my mind back to, you know, today, the political situation we have today. You see on Twitter and other social media platforms where you have the pacified, the obedient, you know, and it became a, a tribal conversation. And it was uncalled for because this thing is very clear. After the election, when people are not... Um, when people are not um, willing to accept, one party is not willing to accept the result, what next is to go to election tribunal? Let the process um, take its course. But then we see different people, and sometimes even Christians would also add petrol to the whole situation. And I think we should... You know, we should always apply wisdom when it comes to the, the matters of, um, of, of politics, of faith, of religiosity, and so on and so forth. God will help us in Jesus' name. Because ultimately, we need to, we need to give that covenant of priest expression within and without. 
The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Now, the full armor of God is, 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 is what we need to put on to be able to be consistent. And it's not just one, it's not two. It's the full. There's a reason why it is the full armor of God. Because if we leave any of it out, we are exposed. For instance, the shoes of the good news of peace. We can't leave it out, right? Can we? We can't. And what does that tell us? It tells us that anywhere we go, we should leave the footprint of what? Footprint of peace. Anywhere we go. Praise the Lord. Now, why the armor of God matters in peacekeeping? Number one, even though, the, 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 even though Satan is defeated, he is still roaming like a wild lion. Satan is defeated. True or false? Can I have a witness? Satan is defeated. Hallelujah. He is still roaming about. It, we saw how he tempted Jesus, right? We saw how he tempted all the, all the men of integrity in, in the Bible. And he's still roaming about today, still looking for who to tempt. In fact, he will go back and go and perfect another trick, another tactic, and then he will come back. So, what does that tell us? We need to be careful. And we need, how can we be careful? By putting on that hammer of God. Praise the Lord. Satan is deceptive. He's, he has many schemes, you know, up his sleeves. And for us, we need to be effective in our continued work with God, with God to avoid defeat. To avoid defeat. Can we recognize the armor of God used in the story of David, Nabal, and Abigail? Who can, who can help us quickly? The armor of God used. Anybody? I think it's the shoes of the good news of peace. The shoes of the good news of peace. Praise the Lord. Abigail was a, the peacemaker, true or false? He was the peacemaker. And then secondly, on reconciliation, what, what is, which armor of God was, was dominant? Which armor of God was dominant? Anybody? Which armor of God was dominant? Because if we, if we really get to, you know, get to it, we will see expression of the, the, different, the different armor of God, right? But there is one that is actually dominant. Sorry? Forgiveness. No, the, the armor. Armor of God. Anybody? I think it's breastplate of righteousness. I mean, righteousness, you know, doing 
what God wants, doing what God expected, doing what pleases God, forgiving, like you rightly said, forgiving. And we can do a further study on that, um, you know, after, after today in our own personal study. Praise God. How about the disputes among the church elders? What armor of God found expression in that? Who can tell us? Sword of the Spirit. Thank you, sir. Sword of the Spirit. There's also another one. Truth. Thank you. Truth. Truth. Praise God. Now, prayer and the word of God is very important for peacemaking. Jesus is our example. When he wanted to appoint the 12 disciples, what did he do? He prayed. Right? Prayer and the word of God makes us to be focused. Um, David, for instance, found expression in prayer and the word of God when he found himself in trials among his enemies. So the full armor of God brings a sense of peace and security in difficult times. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10, Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Verse 10, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the work of the armor of God. Brethren, I encourage us to wear the full armor of God. The Lord will bless us in Jesus' name. Now, how does the Holy Spirit work in us to make peace? Because the Holy Spirit is that person that works in us to make peace. It is not by, it is not the, it is not anybody's um, doing. And it is not in a thing. It is the Holy Spirit that helps us to make peace. The Holy Spirit helps us to have the peace with God. That is when we come to Jesus Christ, when we, when we give our life to Christ, we are making peace with God. We are making peace with God that, oh God, here am I. I want to come into your fold. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Doing that, you are making what? You are making peace with God. And it is the Holy Spirit that would help us to do that. It is Holy Spirit. When, when, when a word is preached to you, it is the Holy Spirit that will make it to find expression in your heart. And then you will make the right decision. Then the peace of God, the Holy Spirit as the comforter, is also the source of the peace of God. We see the example of that when Jesus, you know, at the bottom of the, of the ship, he was fast asleep. Today, even, I mean, you know, imagine you are in a, you are in a, in a building. 
You know, sometimes, in fact, one of my co-founders just sent us a message the other day and it was like, oh, there was a false fire alarm and then everybody rushed out. So he abandoned the meeting and rushed downstairs. The, you know, the ratio of 12 to 1, Jesus was just the one person that was not, that was not fretting. He was just there. He had peace. Today, if anything happens today, maybe we are gathered, for instance, we are gathered here and something happens. Maybe we'll find two people <laughs> that will stay. But majority would, like, whether it's false alarm or not, true or false. So that ratio is still applicable today. And we need to lean to the Holy Spirit to, to help us to discern. I think the right, so the right word is, Allow the Holy Spirit to get to get us to discern the moment, you know. And um, Psalm Psalm ninety four nineteen says, "When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy." That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also guides us in truth of the God on, of the Word of God. He guides us in truth of the Word of God. He convicts us of sin and also helps us to confess and repent, comforting us in times in, in times of sorrow and distress. It is the Holy Spirit. We can try to comfort, and we should comfort people that are grieving. Not to, not judge how they grieve, not say things that will provoke them. I remember when we lost our our first child, our daughter. People were people came to us, even Christians, they were saying all sorts. Oh, why didn't you go to U.S. to to go and give birth? Why why would you trust? You know, you people say <laughs> people say all sorts. I can laugh about it today to the glory of God. You know, so we need to we need to allow the Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us in terms of comforting people that are grieving. And the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit also strengthens us to face trials and hardship. It helps us to forgive and also to extend grace to other people like you know we've all studied today. Holy Spirit fills us with joy and hope. And I will conclude by saying that peacemaking involves forgiveness, mercy, empathy, and a willingness to work towards reconciliation. The result of peacemaking was the restoration of broken relationships and the promotion of harmony and unity. As Christians, we are called to be peacemakers and to follow in the full steps of Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. By promoting peace and working towards reconciliation, we can reflect the love and compassion of Christ to the world around us. Thank you for coming. God bless you.